Hello, lovely people. Thank you so much for picking the next chapter. And today, I'm going to introduce you to the lovely Christine Prizig. Take that urge seriously. Don't just look away and think, oh, it's just a phase. Or if it's if it's recurring, take it seriously and then and give it room. Now, Christine grew up in the mountains in Switzerland. I mean, just how gorgeous. She then worked for the Swiss National Bank, and her job took her all over the world. But when she had her children, she said she felt increasingly trapped. She remembered how creative she was as a child and wanted to feel less stuck. Christine tried all sorts of things, taking classes and finding out what she really loved before she settled on being a filmmaker. She can work around her family, she makes her own schedule and she's doing something she is truly passionate about. Christine says it's often self-belief which is missing rather than the skill. We talk about how school can define who you think you are but how wrong it can be. She's thoughtful, kind and gives some brilliant advice about dealing with doubt and how to let it pass. Hello and welcome to the next chapter by Ellie Barker. The idea behind this podcast is that as I start my next chapter from journalist to indie author, I speak with some incredible people who've already started their next chapter in the hope it might help you with your next chapter, or at the very least, you'll just enjoy the conversation. So here she is, Christine Prizig. Christine Prizig, welcome to the next chapter by Ellie Barker. I'm delighted to have you with me, so thank you so much for doing this. Hi Ellie, it's a pleasure to be here. Fabulous. Well, we can tell already a little bit from your accent there, Christine, that you are actually, you're from Switzerland. So you grew up, beginning with your prologue, you grew up in Switzerland in a rural village, which sounds idyllic to me, but was it? I mean, it, it sounds like it was. It was, and uh, but I, I, did, I wasn't aware of that so much growing up because, um, yeah, it's just the normal surroundings. You grow, you wake up to every morning, and but it's only when I moved away later on that I realised that... I grew up in a really idyllic place. It's the pre-Alps, so it's mountainous, but not too much. So it's hilly and, and mountainous and yeah, lots of farmland. Yeah, very, very rural. Mm, how lovely. And yeah. was it very scenic? You know, was the scenery just amazing? Yeah, it's amazing, yeah. Mm. I grew up in a house and then when you look out the window, you see the, the near mountain range and that changes every, every day is different with the light and snow sometimes yeah no it's so you obviously did lots of skiing yes yeah it's uh when i was young there was still enough snow now it's changed mm-hmm. the, with the climate warming it's not a given anymore that it's snowing every every winter in these regions oh, that's frightening but you you managed to have some nice times and you said you were the oldest of four and i love this you said you you're sort of quite quite free range as children yeah, yeah, we were, because it was rural and yeah, we, I think it's also, it was at the time parents weren't overprotecting their kids so much. So we would just roam around and play with neighbors' kids. Yeah, we were not unprotected, but just, yeah, we could, I think we were trusted that we would, would be fine. Nothing would happen. And yeah, I, I think it was a nice upbringing in that way. Mm, it sounds it, it sounds it. And you were quite, um, you quite liked sort of some of the practical, you liked being sort of manual things and getting your hands a bit dirty. You liked sewing, that kind of thing. So you, you really liked that kind of side of life. 
Yeah, I I always liked it. I don't know really when I became aware that I really like it, but I when I was a teenager, I was a bit difficult and a bit rebellious. And it was my grandma who gave me a sewing machine. I don't know why why she did that because she, maybe she thought it would do me well or it could <laughs> kind of calm me down a little or give me a, a hobby, a purpose. And and it it worked. I I started sewing all my clothes, went to sewing classes, and yeah, I think I really I could tune into my, my inclination to work manually, mm-hmm. and I found it very satisfying. Yeah, and and what a lovely thing for your grandmother to do, and if she could see that you were sort of struggling a little bit, because often it's true, isn't it, that teenagers are rebelling when they are struggling. So what a lovely outlet that you had. And at school, Christine. Mm-hmm. You know, what was, I mean, what is life like at school in Switzerland? I, I just don't know. You know, is it um, very different to our education? And, and was that very much more academic? No, I would say it was less academic. We had much more, we, had, we did also have much, a lot of, of like woodwork was a, and, and, and sewing and knitting. There were actual uh, lessons at school throughout the school years, as well as cooking. So academic subjects, obviously, as well, but I think you it's it's less an academic focus than here for sure. You start learning to read and write only when you're seven and before it's just play. Whereas here they try to to teach the alphabet to kids age four already. Mm-hmm. And then yeah, no, it's like no uniforms or anything. That's that's something it's less less strict, I would say. Wow, okay. That surprised me because I wouldn't have necessarily imagined that. And was there mm. a was there a subject at school that you did really enjoy? I liked going to school, but I wasn't very academic. I liked going to school for for seeing my friends. I disliked most of my teachers and, and then I couldn't separate the teachers from the subject. Mm. So I I, uh, I wasn't I liked English, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Good teacher. <laughs> um, but you you end up going off to university and you did politics and economics there. And you, I think you said mm. you just did this really big, which made me smile that you thought it just sort of sounded good. You weren't necessarily into politics or economics. In fact, you said you also had a bit of a lo- low self-esteem when it came to maths. So mm. so what made you oh, I mean, is that is that true? Is that why you you chose the subject? Because it because it sounded good. I mean, it does sound good, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, I, I was interested in politics, but not passionately. So just on a normal level, I would read the newspaper and I was interested in what what's, what was going on in Switzerland and globally. But yeah, not that it stuck out to me as something I, I should study but I think I, I wanted to study uh, philosophy and politics just I think I, I thought it sounded good and it would be interesting and or couldn't figure out really or, or couldn't decide mm. what to do from all the options and then also always kept thinking or oh, maybe I should do an apprenticeship and do something manual as well and so it was a bit on a whim I said okay I do I do want to study there was also a little bit of pressure from my family and my surrounding most of, of the kids that went to university so that I thought okay I do it as well I try and it, it's different in Switzerland as well because often you, you don't need to pay for studying so that universities are are free basically so often it's a bit of a trial and error you, you start something because it's it's it is difficult to make a decision so early in life and lots of my friends have then changed subjects so it was, it's not so much pressure as it is here to to find your right thing right away but 
yeah, I did. I did choose it because yeah, it sounded good to me. <laughs> well, it does. But it's you're right, aren't you? It just um, there's so much pressure. And how do you know? How do you know at that age? You know what you want to do. So how lovely as well that that you that you didn't have to pay. And obviously, so you went to university in Switzerland, and you you really enjoyed it, didn't you? You really did enjoy the subject. Yeah, I I, I stuck with it. I I I I really liked it. I liked the academic aspect of it as well as as well and the, the academic world I I liked writing theses and yeah I mean how lovely as well so then going in then to your first chapter so you've got a job I mean this sounds incredible you've got a job at the Swiss National Bank which is like a central it's huge isn't it it's a central bank in Switzerland like the Bank of England in in the UK wow and you got a job as a junior economist I understand mm. And and so uh, was it hard to get that job? No, it wasn't hard at all because I I saw um, um, that they were looking for interns, so there was an opportunity for an internship, and I I, I thought it would be nice. To, yeah, I was studying in Bern, and the internship was in Zurich. I thought it would be nice to to do something in Zurich. To I I, I still commuted. I didn't move, but I, I was I was interested in the location, but also because the central bank is such a central player in in the in economic terms and such a influential powerful player yeah mm-hmm. I, I thought that was interesting and, and and applied and got the internship and and really liked it there I had a fantastic team then already as an intern and yeah, it was just I, I really also liked the atmosphere the work environment and just going back a little bit because we as we touched there because you said you had a low self-esteem in math did you not enjoy maths at school not before I studied and my in the beginning so I studied I studied politics at first but then it was quite a small department at uni that I had to take all the classes they offered and I found it a little bit boring and then I thought okay I, I might change my my subject to economics which was my which was a I am um, was another we, we did have economics as polit- politics students as well but I, I made it my main subject because I thought I could learn more there but it is economics is math heavy so I was I doubted myself but I thought I'll just try and and I did struggle a bit but I, I realized also that I couldn't that it's it was a self-belief more than really the skills that are, were missing that I could overcome that that dislike of math and also the low self-esteem that was attached to it. Mm, that's interesting isn't it because so many of us have this we do have a low self-esteem attached to different subjects for all mm. different reasons but we we do and that can hold us back even as we get older in life as well can't it yeah yeah it's it just needs a teacher who says some needs to say oh you're not very good at it or you're a parent and then you you kind of believe it and and you, you live your life with that self-belief without ever challenging it sometimes Mm -mm, I absolutely have it in fact that's why I find it so fascinating now what we're going to talk about because I absolutely have it around figures and numbers and money and business and I'm terrible having sort of always worked sort of in journalism so for me Mm -hmm. it's sort of so daunting but you're right if you can find a good teacher then you can you can we can all become much better at subjects can't we if we get the right teacher and apply ourselves we absolutely can so you uh so yeah so you spent a long time and you sort of just kind of worked your way up as well in this position which must be a huge position that you said you traveled so you really what was your by the end what was your job that you were doing i mean i i was a 
an international policy expert in the end. Wow. Still an, or a senior economist. When I worked, my last job as an e economist was at the Bank of England, then when I moved to the UK. Okay, so yeah, so you spent your time in Switzerland, but then you also, you did move to, which again sounds amazing, you went to New York, you lived in New York, and then you went to London and worked in more of a niche side of the business. Yeah, I've just become over the years, it started in Switzerland in, in the department I worked there, I was fairly specialised, but then as the years went on and I worked in the same field, I became more and more a specialist in that niche field. So by the end, when I was working for the Bank of England, I was very much a specialist in a niche area, which also then I felt a bit stuck in. Mm -hmm. and it's only central banks you can do this this work there's no there's not many options to go from there is that because of the sub what was the subject what was the niche subject so i worked in in financial stability but within that in payment system oversight right so wow. the, the central banks are the regulatory body of of payment systems and it's quite technical that that area it's the systems where big banks um, exchange money or transfer money and also how the, the central bank feeds the system with money and I mean and, and in the smaller areas it's just also how money gets gets into the cash machines that's like the, the consumer end of, of it but there's much bigger parts where yeah huge sums are transferred all over the, the world Mm. and how these are overseen and made safe so mm, God, but i mean fascinating but you um so you travel i mean where would you travel to would you be traveling all over the world yeah for my first job i traveled basically yeah i literally all over the world wow that's amazing but you yeah. said then i mean presumably then you met uh, your partner and you you then be became a mum so this started then you said um that then this kind of this led even more to you feeling stuck and i'm sure many people can relate to this that obviously you were sort of earning some money and you know there you were and you needed to stay doing this but at the same time then you then you felt even more stuck yeah definitely yeah you you also you have your, your standard of living a bit and you think oh yeah we can't change and and you have when, when you have kids it's yeah you have much more expenses and you were in london at this stage i had my first child um in switzerland and then we moved to new york when she was two months old wow okay and my, my second child born in new york and my third in london Wow. Okay. So when you had your third child, were you still working full time within the bank? I was work working four days a week. Right. At the and is your your partner or husband does, does do they do they work in the banking industry as well? No, he's an academic. He worked in. Uh, he's a university professor. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So something a bit different there. So what? So going then onto your next chapter, what was it? What sort of was the catalyst then, Christine? Because you went, you went freelance, didn't you, and tried all different things. So what? What was it that actually made you to take decide to take the leap that you left the bank altogether? Um. I, at first, I was on maternity leave, and that already, I think, that was the kind of the first catalyst to a change. That because it, I suddenly had more time at hand and could yeah reassess or just kind of give it more room my my urge to change to break out from my routine and to change careers and yeah i was always at the beginning i was thinking oh i will go back i'll take a break and then i will go back but um the longer i i was at home the more unrealistic i thought 
this would be. Mm. And I started freelancing eventually. I, I decided then, okay, I'm not going to go back. This is my chance now I, that I'm a way to, to really um, explore what there is. And then I started taking on various freelance jobs, but I did that kind of, kind of purposefully. I, I didn't just do a random thing that came my way, but I tried to do to really do something that I I thought could possibly be my next career. And what fields were they, Christian? Do you say you did some journalism? Yeah, it was journalism at first. I worked for uh, this. The, the Swiss correspondent, the, the correspondent for Swiss TV. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And was, yeah. And and how did you find that? This is uh, through an acquaintance. I, I, I like that. Yeah. Mm. That was my first um, getting, first time getting in touch with, with film as well, with video, with something, yeah. Mm. Moving image. I wasn't, I wasn't thinking much of it then. Yeah, I was often, I did some some background research for him or sometimes interviewed people when, when he was busy elsewhere. Did you, And but you were also doing some classes as well. So you, this was going back to your, when you, you know, being a child and that you enjoyed sort of more, more practical side of things. So you were doing some sculpting, some woodwork. I think you did some printing um, mm. and then, so, so how did this all lead to you then deciding to become a videographer? Yeah, I think it played all together, all these different freelance jobs. I did the work exploring and then the the, the craft courses, the creative aspect. I, I just, I kind of, it probably came through crafting with my kids that I got more in touch with my creative side again and thought I would like to, to take some classes then it was it was going through the brochure of the the place i took my art classes i saw um filmmaking courses i think the first one was um make a narrative film in a week or something and i signed up but i was also thinking because i really liked journalism i, I really did think that could be a a line of work i could imagine myself in and I thought, okay, but I'm, I have a little bit of a disadvantage because I'm a non-native speaker and competition in journalism is, is huge. So maybe if I add some visual skills to it, and I'm also a very visual person, so that appealed to me to have to, to add to journalism and a visual aspect. Mm. So I thought, okay, I'll, I'll take it this more, not so much because I was interested in filmmaking and editing more for in a career for a career mm -hmm. but, but I, yeah I took the class and, and and I was immediately I was fascinated I it's I, I, I really loved it from the very first class and then continue but not thinking I would become a filmmaker right away then and you started to do some, some just little projects for friends and you just really enjoyed that what kind of things were you doing for your friends so I, I one of the first things I made was for myself, for my family, was a day in the life of my youngest child. So I just followed her with the camera the whole day to school and then picked her up again on the playground and with her friends and at dinner time and her making some slime or whatever. <laughs> and then her in her room showing some things that they were important to her. And then going to bed, it was like a a whole day of hers in, in five minutes. That was maybe my first little documentary portrait. And then I, I made a music video for a friend of mine, a musician. 
that was was very cool. I really loved also editing to the to music, to the rhythm, to the beat. So at that, at what stage then, Christine, did you turn it into something that you were kind of doing, you know, you you had an interest in, that, to thinking, do you know what, as you said, this is, I want to turn this into a career now. You, you know, you wanted to earn some money, presumably you wanted to earn some money from it and turn it into, into your job. So how did you do that? Yeah, that also happened quite gradually because I also worked for a charity and there was um, a filmmaker there. Yeah, he, he was, he, he, he thought that this charity, the charity, provided courses and he provided participants with some filmmaking skills and also he was making a film about the charity and I had the opportunity to work with him on that which I was obviously very interested because I just did all my film classes and I had a big interest in, in that so I could see and they offered me another the, the charity offered me another filmmaking film related task for my work there so that was the first time kind of doing it in a professional way or for, for someone that is not a friend or family. And then I started telling people, oh, this is this is what I, I want to do. I want to develop in, in that area. This is, I could imagine this being my new career path. And then I, it, lockdown came and I was approached by a school. I think I did, I didn't do advertising or anything at that point, but I was just telling people that's, that's what I want to do. And I had maybe a few examples already. I, I did a few films for myself portraits and then I was approached by a school, a, a secondary school. During lockdown people couldn't come on tours to look at schools. Mm. So they wanted a virtual tour of the school where all the teachers were introduced and the facilities and students. And that was for me that was the test in a way to see how I can work with it on a big scale project on my own. And if I liked it enough and, and yeah, I was, it, it, it turned out well and I loved it. And I think that also gave me the confidence then to, to, to go a bit broader and say, yeah, I can do this. How did the school know about you? They did, when you say, you know, you'd been telling people, but was it through a contact or how did they know about you? Yeah, they approached another filmmaker who didn't have capacity to do it. And then I was referred on from him mm. so it goes to show isn't it it's because sometimes that's the hardest part isn't it Christine to just cross the line as I call it to say you know for me it was like admitting that I've been writing books but so many of my mm. friends didn't know and it's just mm. so it's so hard and for somebody listening to this now sometimes it's just so hard isn't it to to actually say it out loud this is what I want to do but if you do it this is how how it all starts mm. yes yeah no that's exactly true yeah no it's a bit it's a whole identity change as well from going from one thing to the next and then really saying this is what i'm doing it it, it takes some time and some yeah mm. it's also confidence yeah. questions sometimes as well to yeah. when when are you i'm really ready and we're often much more self-critical than we should be yeah, you're right. Because by then you, you know, you had done it. And and so from there, did that help you with your confidence to say, you know, this is what I do and even say, look, this is my day rate. This is what I charge. This is, you know, to turn it into that very, because uh, again, that this is something that I struggle with. And I know lots of people who listen to this struggle with it's turning something into that and being sort of very professional because it's very easy to, if you are lacking confidence, think, oh, do you know what? 
I'll just do it as a favor and I'll just, you know, and you go on like that. But then how long do you do that before you you do have to act professionally to be taken professionally as well, don't you? Yeah, yeah, I yeah. know that that's a whole process to go through. And then just, yeah, to, to raise the day rate or, yeah. And is that what you did? Did you have a lower day rate at first and then slowly increase it? Yes, yeah, I did that, yeah. Although at first I didn't even have a day rate. Right. I just kind of, kind of calculated roughly. But obviously I knew it would take me longer in the beginning to make a film or to, to do that commission mm. that I could charge somebody for, for it because I'm... I'm a beginner. Because mm, you do the editing as well, don't you? So how, yeah. I mean, you and I know that you do all different, you just do all different kinds of films now, don't you? What's your favourite kind of film that you do? I mean, I did uh, various kinds of films in the beginning, like the the the, the, um, the music video and, and these things. But I'm, I've now specialised in doing portraits of people. That's shorter portraits for like PR videos, mm. business owners or business portraits of the, a business with, where the different people are interviewed or artists that want to show their practice to put on their website, that kind of thing, or longer portraits that are more personal biography histories, like oral history on, on, on film, people telling their life stories that that kind of thing mm. but it, it, it evolves more or less around portraying people on video with supplemental footage of, of them doing showing what they're doing or for personal biography videos it's old footage old photographs just um showing the context of what what they're telling about it's fascinating though really and this comes up such a lot that you know what you were talking about as a child that you liked doing sort of very sort of creative side of things and then mm. here now you are in terms of with the pictures and the creating the telling the story and it's combining your journalism that you did as well so you're really and the, the fact that you 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 know have an interest with the sculpting the woodwork and you're 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 really bringing all your loves and passion together aren't you in one and you're and you're you're actually doing it which is amazing yeah no that is that i find amazing myself as well how it all kind of plays together and even my from my old job as an economist i mean there's so much planning and logistics also to do in filmmaking and i think i have this kind of analytical thinking still from from there that that helps me with this job now and and the, the manual aspect even though it's all done digitally i think for me it's the the cutting of a film is still quite a manual process. Do you film on your own? Do you ever have a sound person with you or anything? Yeah, I, I have, rarely I have someone with me. My my thing is, or my advantage is that I work on my own, so it's I can produce a video much more cost efficiently. I mean, if you add people, then maybe they're, they're, you, you film a bit differently and you have more camera angles or you have someone who always you you, you you probably you don't you can do it with fewer takes because there's someone who says oh your interviewee there's a strand of hair in, in their face which sometimes i don't see because i'm too busy with yeah with operating the camera and the sound and everything or i do i have an understanding of it as my day job as a journalist and although often we work with a camera person we do sometimes have to work on our own and I admire you for doing it because it's tough. You go and you've got to be setting up and 
making sure that everything's right on the camera at the same time chatting with someone. I mean, do, do you feel now, are you quite comfortable with that and, and that whole process? Yeah, also because I invested in a, in a real, in real good equipment that gives me the confidence because then I can just play. Right. So, and I know it's it's reliable and how do you get these jobs now is it more as as you've been doing it more and more people you're recommended or is it something that you approach people or they come to you via a website you know how, how are you finding the work yeah it's a bit of everything it's it's word of mouth I had a good run of word of mouth clients coming to me then it dried up a little bit and I, yeah, I, I not advertised, but I did more on social media and LinkedIn and networking, that kind of thing. And Just... are, are you finding, Christine, like now, obviously with everything that's been talked about with, with cost of living, and again, I was speaking with a good friend yesterday um, and, you know, she works in retail and so much of these companies, you know, they're being so affected. But are you finding people are still willing to, to do this and want to do this? You know, there is a market for it. Yeah, it is probably a little bit affected or it will be. I haven't really realised it at this point yet, but I think it's only going to kick in properly in the next few months but I also I, I offer a, a product that is quite good value it's a one minute video that I shoot in one hour wow okay and b-roll material which I then edit edit quite quickly for for 200 so I think everybody anybody who wants a professional looking video mm. that is not very extensive and can be shot in one location with just me one person doing it I think it's still you can still get a video done quite affordably mm -hmm. and you cut that down to a minute do you that's tough yeah I think that's because that's the attention span of people these day, these days mm -hmm. and then presumably they can use it on their social media and you know that everything is so much on social media and they, people do need the content for it so you are mm -hmm. sort of tapping into something there so so yeah. yeah so is this something so to move on to your to be continued is this something that you will you'll carry on doing and um, is there an area I know you would like to go more sort of into the documentary side but sort of what is the area that you enjoy the most and what you'd like to do next so what I um, really like doing is also making video collages I did for some um, celebratory events like uh, the last thing I did is for a 50th birthday anniversary but then more with like really properly with collages and, and moving images and animations to tell the story of the couple. That is not so much an interview. Somebody tells the story, but it's it's all visually done with with materials, with artworks and 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 photo, old photographs as well. I think that is something I want to do a little bit more. And, mm -hmm. and how old are your children now, Christine? The, my oldest is 19. Okay. Little one, 16, and the youngest, 12. Okay. Okay. So, well, they're still around in that, but you, so yeah, obviously, presumably this can grow them as your children grow as such. This is a great thing that you can keep doing. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Mm. No, that's a great thing as well about it the flexibility I have with, with work. I can, I can steer how much I do and also. I can still be when I'm at home editing and when do I go out and shoot. So it's, yeah. Mm -hmm. Do you find yourself working in the evenings at all or is it more that you can manage it throughout the days? 
it depends if, if a deadline comes up then i do sometimes work in the evenings but i i try not to do it too often mm-hmm. do, you, do you miss life at the bank at all i don't miss it <laughs> at all now function much better if i don't have the, the nine to five regular working day rhythm that i can be more flexible yeah not for the kids but also for myself that i can go to yoga class when, when i feel like it mm. in the morning and then i just extend the day a bit longer in the evening that kind of thing mm, mm, how lovely you live in london so you've got all all everything around you but it is part that's so important isn't it just finding something that fits for some people they do like the nine to five but if it suits you you know yourself to find something that fits in with the kind of rhythm of your own um i've written about this like the, finding your own pattern in life it it makes such a difference doesn't it yeah i didn't i didn't know that before i had it because i couldn't had didn't have the comparison mm. i thought it's it's i find it a little bit restricting the nine to five and yeah it weighs down on me but i i couldn't say i really don't want it anymore which i now that i've seen how else it could be i can say that Mm-hmm. absolutely you're, well you're, you're doing it and well done you for making the change so your acknowledgements Christine who would you like to thank who has helped you along the way to, to do this so yeah I definitely want to acknowledge my my children there because they forced me to take a gear change or make a gear change and and slow down and and become more intuitive and playful and and ultimately also my life became more joyful and yeah opened up other opportunities for me at least in my head as first Mm. Mm. how lovely and also i I think just yeah teachers and then maybe later on or especially during the the process of changing careers it's like i had a, a life coach as well that helped me i think that was really good to kind of help me with with strategic questioning trying to to help me find out what I'm looking for and, and give me a bit of direction or mm. to keep going when when I was hesitating and thinking, oh, maybe I should, it's just easier to go back to my old job and then questioning that, that decision. And yeah. That's that interesting because they are, they, you know, we there are these people are around, aren't they? For anyone listening who just isn't, and I appreciate they do cost money, but they they can change completely change lives, can't they? If you get somebody who is sort of was that somebody that was recommended to you? Or how did you find that person? No, I was just thinking. Oh, I I it, I, I thought it it would be a good thing for me to have someone to yeah to give me advice or just yeah. And then I, I was looking around and I think I saw an advertisement in a, in a local magazine, in a, in a neighborhood magazine. And it just gave you some guidance that perhaps you wouldn't have found elsewhere. Yeah, definitely. I think I, maybe I would have found it elsewhere, but it, it would have taken me much longer. It was very efficient. It was very, it was, it was practical issues. So what, what skills do I have? What am I looking for in a job? What does it need to be? How much does, do I need to earn? So that's just, that is one thing. But then also just I kind of helped me. She helped me tune in with my interests and find out what I what I find fulfilling and not what I think, what I thought should be, I should be doing. Because mm. that was I I I realized there's a lot of things I I had in mind that I should should be or should 
my job should be this and I, I should be at the same time I should be a good mother and I, I should earn this amount of money and, and there's a lot of shoulds and, and she definitely helped me to kind of look beyond that and see what I not what I think I should do but what I really wanted to mm. do. That's so important, isn't it? Because we do, we all do this. We go along, all these things. And somebody said to me the other day, you know, who who tells you this? Why do we think this? And it's whoever it is, it just is, we form these stories in our mind that this is what we should be doing and we should be living this kind of lifestyle. But actually, mm. if you really, let you by doing that, then you truly forget what it is that you enjoy and the kind of environment you want to work in. And it makes such a difference, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. And, and I think that, was my coach really helpful for to kind of look beyond these these magnets of that prestige and money and, and status are are that but they're distracting as well. But you you know someone listened to this could say that you were really brave to leave that kind of you know to leave that kind of a security and lifestyle behind or to, mm -hmm. to go out on your own. But you say that again, you just don't regret that at all. No, I don't regret it. I mean, it, it comes with a price of, I have lots of doubts, or oh, not lots, but sometimes I think, oh, how am I going to do that? I'm not used to kind of acquire my next job, but before when you're employed, it's just, it just rolls on. But then, yeah, oh, I have two more jobs, but then nothing more lined up. How will I, how will I survive these kind of thoughts? That's, that's something that's not always easy to deal with and, and financially there there is less now but i i i i'm happy with with that i can i can live with less and have but have a more fulfilled life that mm. that's something i've learned and it's it's also very freeing to realize mm, and presumably for your whole family as well just before we move on um christine how do you cope with that when you have those days where you are doubting and you think, God, oh, how am I going to get my next job? How do you cope with that? I usually go for a walk and <laughs> and let it rest a bit. It's yeah, it it depends on on the daily mood as well how how severe it is. But I know usually it passes again. I I think I'm I'm experienced with these doubts now as well. I they like visitors to come. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> Regular visits and then they they go again. So I'm not. I don't take them too seriously. No, or maybe just go and have a nice yoga class, which you can do now with, yeah. with your flexibility. Take a step away from what I'm doing and, yeah. Yeah, well, that is good advice. But moving on just finally now to the tips and advice, our, our section of this. So, Christine, if someone's listening to this and look, you know, somebody in there in a similar situation, really, that maybe is in a full-time job but feels trapped but also has got all the, the trappings that come with that, that there is some security and especially in today's world, it's very easy, isn't it, to think, do you know what, I'm just going to stay in the comfort zone and stay where I know. But you did take that leap, you know. So, first of all, what would you say to somebody who who would like to do something different but has absolutely no idea what they want to do? What would you say to that person? How do they find what is right for them? Yeah, I would say, first of all, take that urge seriously. Don't just look away and think, oh, it's just a, a phase. Or if it's, if it's recurring, take it seriously and then analyze it and, and give it room, maybe building some pockets of stillness in, in your life meditate go for walks like that helps for me or I, I always think there's a there's a creative purpose in daydreaming or even to boredom and and the best ideas come when when you're not actively trying to to chase them so i think room is is important and and then also just tune in 
to what interests you, what what magnifies your spirit in that way, what, what people, what books, what ideas you find fascinating and then and then yeah, find out why that is. So learn learn more about your interests and and tap into these these things. And uh, yeah, like like in my case, I wouldn't have thought I would end up in filmmaking, but I think it's this explorations and inclinations I had that I would just kind of follow. Lots of them were just interesting to do, but never manifested in anything. But, but, but then others, I think it's full of surprises if you kind of go with that approach. Yeah, and then I think also don't get, as I said before, don't get distracted by what you feel you should be rather than what you really want to be or want want to do not be led by by prestige and status but but really focus on what's what what feels fulfilling to you was a feeling as well christine when you did come across you know the video making you tried sort of lots of other things but it must have been a feeling within you that you knew that this was what's right for you yeah definitely yeah and eventually i mean i did so many things over the years that I freelanced and that's maybe another advice I would give people don't don't be afraid of to change your mind I think it's not always comfortable to do that because yeah also telling people then I, at some time point I, I run a kids party business and then another time I, I interned at the exhibition design company and then I worked for a charity and then as a journalist and I was like oh kind of getting a bit embarrassing but <laughs> thinking every time I see her she does something different now but, and I, I, I did kind of yeah felt a bit awkward for a, for a while when I did change but I think it was part of the process so yeah trust the process in in finding it might not happen immediately and but it, it will so I, with filmmaking I've, I've stuck with it it's not that wasn't then the next thing because mm. this was was really what I was was looking for or what which or the, something that ticked so many boxes that that it I felt that that's that's for me now I'm, and then I'm not gonna move on to the next thing yet but well done you for finding it and sticking with everything and exactly that that's really honest to say that that you know you do get feel a bit embarrassed trying different things but you were trying and you found it and so somebody else who has found again like you they do know deep down what they want to do but again are two like we like going back to what we said earlier about crossing the line and coming out there and saying this is what I want to do what would you say to that person who just is too frightened to make the leap yeah to 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 they don't need to take the leap right away but just yeah to 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 give it time to try to 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 build these pockets in your in your life to to explore i think exploring is is important mm. and do you think do you think the more you do something be it that you do it sort of like you did as a, a sideline at the beginning but the more you do something and the more you realize how much you love it that gives you the strength to step forward with it yeah i think you realize if some if something's the right thing it will it will roll out automatically. You don't need to force yourself to to do it. You'll be stuck with it. You or one one thing needs leads to the next, and you develop. It's not you don't have to force yourself. Well, Christine Prizig, thank you so much. I hope you didn't have to force yourself to come on this podcast. It's been fascinating speaking to you. Thank you so much, and thank you for being so generous with your advice as well. Yeah, thanks. It was a pleasure being here. Thank you, Ellie. So there you are. What did you think of that? 
I love that, how Christine tried so many different things, but look at where it got her. Doing something she loves, all by being brave enough to be honest with herself, well, I think it's just brilliant. And you can find out all about Christine at her website. The link is in the show notes, and I strongly suggest you have a look at her work and what she's creating. Now, you can keep up to date with me and my books at elliebarkerwrites.com. I would so love, love to hear from you. I really would. If you could rate and review this episode, well, that would be wonderful and may just help someone else with their next chapter. I'll be back next week, but in the meantime, keep trying. Don't ignore that voice. I think you can do it. And Christine does too. Speak soon.